What's up, guys? Welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. Today's episode is a fun one with me, PN, Pastor Nathan, and Blake. It started out as just a comms check, but kind of developed into a full-length episode, so I hope you enjoy it. It's always fun when I got my brothers here with me to um, to kind of bounce ideas back and forth. So, yeah, it's a fun one. I hope you enjoy it. Real quick, I want to tell you about Shay Butler Knives, SBK Knives. If you're a knife guy like me, you should probably go and check Shea Butler Knives out at SheaButlerKnives.com. The products that he puts out, the knives that he builds, they're all handmade, authentic. Uh, They're the most durable knives I've ever carried in my life. I'm a knife snob. I am not going to buy a cheap knife. And Shea provides, in my opinion, the best handmade knife on the market. Um, I'll spend the next few weeks telling you guys about the different knives that I have from Shea, and they all have their own unique purpose and use. I just want to give you guys a heads up. We've worked with Shea and SBK Knives for going on about a year now, and our relationship has continued to grow, and I want you guys to go and check out his stuff if you enjoy a solid I'm talking about a second-to-none handmade knife. You're not going to find anything else out there like this. So, check them out at SheaButlerKnives.com. He's given us a pro code. I'll attach it in the show notes of this episode that's going to give you 10% off anything that you order from Shea. Uh, I want you to know that these knives that Shea makes are heirloom pieces. In other words, they are going to last multiple lifetimes and uh, completely customizable. Yeah, we'll get more into Shay and his knives as we progress. This is the first advertisement we're running for SBK. So, there you go. There's your introduction. Get ready to hear more about Shay in upcoming episodes, and we may even have him on the podcast one day to hear his story, which is awesome. That's a great thing about working with Shay is he's a cool dude and has an awesome story along with the fact that he is a master craftsman. Last thing I want you guys to do for me is stop what you're doing right now. If you're listening to this on an iPhone and leave us a quick review, please just give us however many stars you want to give us and just at least one word. Leave us a review. This helps us tremendously grow our audience. We cannot grow this thing without you guys. You are the body of it. Please, if you want to to give back to this show, if you enjoy or have gotten anything from the content we've put out, just do us a favor, leave us a review, and we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right, guys, without further ado, here's today's episode. Enjoy. Well, everyone, welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast and another comms check. With the one and only June Bug, PN, and man, we ain't even come. Up, we got to come up with something for Blake, man. He doesn't say be- enough to uh, to pin him down. Yeah, you know, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth closed. We'll just call you the fool. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's another one. Uh. 
dang, what is that verse? Something about something about you'll know a fool by his many words. I was thinking about that today. Can't nobody call me a fool. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you showed up more often, maybe you'd say more. <laughs> no, still be the same. What's up, guys? Uh, we got we got a crew in here today. Uh, this is a comms check. Thanks for joining in, whether you're listening just to the audio or watching us on YouTube. Yes, we post this thing on YouTube. It never occurred to me that people liked watching a conversation amongst people. I just I always thought listening was kind of more made more sense to me, but a lot of people like to watch these things. It's kind of, yeah, it's weird. It's weird uh, having the conversation because it's filming and I feel rude to whoever's watching to not look at the camera, but it feels more rude to not just look at who you're talking to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's just your inexperience. See, <laughs> as you, as you y'all, come up. Y'all get ready. Chad is in, a, in one of his... Uh, Picking on aggravating moves today. So y'all get ready for some jokes on this one. As you come up through the ranks of public life, you <laughs> you, go. you just learn to just ignore the cameras. I'll never forget the first time I went and did a, a podcast that was being filmed. It was with uh, uh, this podcast called Electric People. It's a big solar company out in Salt Lake City. And they invited me out there. I can't remember if this was before or after I had done Rich Roll or, or any of those. But, man, these cats had a sure enough studio. Like, they had multiple, like, TV camera setups. They had one that was on this thing that just rotated the entire time, right? And I don't know what it was doing, capturing different angles, I guess. But, yeah, it, it was like the first time cameras were involved and it. It made me uncomfortable, like yeah. really uncomfortable. You know what I mean? But now it's just like freaking bring all the cameras you want. I'm just going to act the way I act. You know what I mean? So what he's telling you is you don't have enough experience to be there yet. I'm, I'm fine to ignore the cameras. <laughs> I was trying to work out yesterday, and somebody's taking a picture of me in the gym. I figured someone, a man like you, would be used to that anyway. Yeah, I'm used to it. It happens everywhere I go. Yeah. Well... That was a good workout. It was good to good to be able to train side by side with PN yesterday. He was a little slow, uh, but he had really good form, you know, and, and that that really fits the bill with PN. You know what I mean? He he's gonna do every single rep perfectly. You know? Yeah, oh yeah. What's the point otherwise? Well, I mean, well, yeah, good point. I, I guess. Mean, I mean, I, I, I just, I know a few of those push-ups. I know I got a little sloppy. Yeah, I know, I, I, I know, I did, and uh, I thought about it. What Brooke was was telling me, oh yeah, you're supposed to, when you take your hands off the ground, you're supposed to come up and stay flat, like lead with your butt yeah, almost, yeah, right? And, yep. Hit lead with your hips, and see, I wasn't thinking about that for some reason. I was just thinking about. Getting this thing Get off the ground. Getting off the ground, yeah. man. And by the way, my push-ups are are unsat right now, dude. There's no reason 
I think that I shouldn't have been able to do, like you said, at least that first round, yeah. that first set of 50 unbroken. I felt bad that you beat me for a minute, and then I realized I'm twice your age. Oh, no, like, no. Don't eat, don't I do, I even, I do all right son. for an old man. Don't even, dude. That age, all that is is experience, man. That's true. These muscles, all these muscles do is get harder over the years. See, I still got that baby muscle. <laughs> I got that baby muscle, son. What's Nathan got? Nathan got that old, oh, man, old man muscle, muscle. son. It's yeah. like sinew. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Everyone has turned this off by now. <laughs> what do we? What do we got? About one spot left at the proving grounds. I think Probably we got, got two. One or two? One yeah. Or two, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. I th- I'm pretty sure it's two right now. By the time this episode's over, it might be one. Yeah. So we got about one or two spots left at the proving grounds. Well, you know, we but we may only have if we have two, then we only have one because we're probably going to be moving. Yeah. Uh, we won't say his name, but one of our students were, were for the basic course got injured, so we're probably transferring him potentially over to the proving ground. Um, so maybe only one spot left. If any of y'all want to come out and have an awesome weekend in April with us at the Proving Grounds, go sign up. There's one spot left. That's a fun That's a fun weekend, man. A lot of growth, a lot of learning. It's different than the basic course, but it's 100% just as, as valuable in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, after doing one and reflecting on it, a whole different set of lessons uh, come from that. And then where there where there is overlap, uh, you're getting the opportunity to practice those skills in a different setting, which is you know that's life, right? Is taking a lesson or something that you're trying to live out and finding out how to live it out in different ways. So I wouldn't I wouldn't call even where there's overlap, it's not redundant. Oh, I feel like it it gives you a it's not near as primitive as the basic course. So it gives you a little more comfort in other areas to focus on the actual skills and mm-hmm. things that we're doing, the lessons at hand, and not uh, so much the survival, the, the yeah, yeah, maybe the hard skills, maybe you know? the freedom to the freedom to fail a little bit, yeah, more because you're in that environment. That's it. Should should I announce the uh, the thing that that I called and told you guys about yesterday? Or should I just wait and let it come out on? I wouldn't announce it till you till it's in the bag, till you know it's happening. Okay, all right. I know you want. You to. just got to sit on it. Be, you need to be patient. I'll announce. Oh, I, I'm being patient. I'm being patient, right? In some in some other ways, but um, I just I, I mean, in a way, I want the people to hear it first here. Yeah, in, you know, in a way, but but I'll. I'll uh, Maybe you should announce it on Patreon. Oh, that's a good idea. We might talk about that on... Res- I might announce that on Resurrected this Sunday. Are you teaching Sunday? Yeah. All right, PN's going to be teaching Sunday. I may talk about this little announcement. Oh, it's going to be big. <laughs> if it happens, it's going to be the sporting event of the year. All right, best thing since loaf bread. <laughs> Hey, you'll know a fool by his many words. The squeaky wheel 
gets the most attention, right? Because it's just the loudest, and it's just, you know, it's all the other wheels are doing their job more efficiently. All the other wheels are, are, are functioning properly, doing what they're supposed to be doing, but that wheel that squeaks, it gets all the daggone attention, right? Yep. There's some squeaky wheels out there, man. <laughs> um. Well, I got a few things on my mind today. I know PN's got a few things on his mind today. First, I'll start y'all off with a little scripture here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 4, we know that if our earthly house, uh, this tent, were dissolved, we have a building of God and, in a, and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan earnestly, desired, desired to be clothed with our house, which is from heaven. All right. Now, this, is, this verse was... What this is kind of what I preached on at Pops's funeral about departing from the tent that is our um, body, our our earthly body, right? And as as men that have spent a lot of time in tents, we can I think understand better why Paul used that analogy comparing the human body to a tent. I mentioned Paul spent a lot of time in tents too, as much as the crazy places he went and mm-hmm. traveled, and you know what I mean. And so, I can, I mean, I can think of many a times, and I know Nathan can even think of more times than me where you are camped out in your tent on top of some uh, some summit, some mountain, and you wake up in the morning. And it's early, and maybe the sun is rising, and it's uncomfortable to get out of your tent. Maybe it's a little cold. There's a wind coming, right? Because you're way high up, and it's real uncomfortable to depart from that tent. You think I just want to stay in here, and it's, it's kind of cozy. It's not really cozy, right? It's just cozier. It's uncomfortable until you actually depart from that tent. Well, you will never be able to see the magnificence of the creation that you're surrounded by, you'll never be able to see the total picture. You'll never be able to accomplish your actual mission until you depart from that tent, right? But it is an uncomfortable transition. Mm -hmm. But once you get out of that tent and you see what's around you, you see what awaits, and you, you you get moving a little bit, all of a sudden you're like, dang, I'm glad I got out of that tent, right? Mm-hmm. And that is what that is what happened. Uh, that that is that that that's what I talked about. At we we lost our grandfather last week. Um, it's uncomfortable departing the tent, but hey, for you to accomplish what you were created to accomplish, right? Being in companionship for eternity with your creator you got to depart the tent one day and uh there's only one message that gives us hope because the fact is we're all going to have to depart the tent and you know there's been there are times in my life that i struggle between what i want to put my energy into um the more secular principle-based messaging 
all the things that you guys have heard me and Nathan and Blake talk about on the basic course, the Proving Grounds, or even on the podcast, the power of the spoken word, how to break tasks down, being patient, being present, being deliberate, all these great skills, right? They're all great things to talk about, but the reality of... Uh, of the situation is that none of those messages actually leave you with any hope. They they will help you accomplish your goals in life. They will help you in a lot of ways uh, be able to maximize your time on life or, or, or in life, but they don't leave you with any hope when you depart your tent. There is only one message that is going to leave you with any hope. There's one message on earth that can give you hope, and it is the message of Jesus Christ. That is it. That is the foundation of any hope that any of us have, right? Yep. Um, and we call it the gospel, right? That is what, that's what the church has termed it. The gospel just means the good news. Why do they call it the good news? Because it is the only news that will leave you with hope. At the end of your life, when you depart your tent, all right? The gospel's simple. Let me recap it right here. If you ever want to share the message of, the, the only true message of a hope with anybody that wants to listen, it is this. You are a fallen, fallible, sinful human being that has lost connection with your creator. Well, your creator loves you so much that he sent his son in the flesh to earth. His name was Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross in order to bear the burden of your sin. He was resurrected. This is key. He was resurrected from the grave on the third day, and he ascended into heaven after being seen by hundreds of people, ascended into heaven, and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us. We have forgiveness through him. There are no longer any accusations against his children that have chosen to receive that free gift. That is the gospel. That is the hope. That is the message of hope. So I get torn a lot of times between what do I want to put my energy into? You know, there's a part of me that would want to go full bore on that message of hope mm-hmm. and let everything else fall by the wayside. But I think the other messaging is definitely important and it works in conjunction yep. with the message of hope. So I, you know, a lot of times I have to maintain that balance in my own life. Well, the Bible even talks about that because it, it, it going talking about the salt, too much salt is bad, right? You have to maintain that other secular message to be relatable to other people and you sprinkle in the salt you know mm-hmm. you ever as kids sometimes we would loosen the top on the salt <laughs> shakers at the restaurants yeah and when you went to dump it you dump all the salt out on your food now that that's not a good thing to do but your food tastes like crap then so if you're pouring out too much all that's all you got then nobody wants to hear it yeah you know yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I feel like they're compatible um, messages. Not they don't conflict with one another. And and you're either, you know, for people that are that believe in Christ, there's no distinction between personal growth and spiritual growth. You're you're growing. So the things that I learn to do in areas that I grow in that are you know quote unquote secular, that's still enabling me um, to be a better representative of Christ or to honor Him better or to 
maybe engage more people or, you know, whatever, uh, be more efficient with my time so that I can, I can do things that are worthy with it. Um, there's not that distinction between this kind of, this, this growth is better than the other, you know. And there isn't for me either. I think, I think some of my frustration at times comes from the fact that I see, I, I, I will, I will witness on a weekly basis, thousands of people getting so fired up about all of these things, right? But then they don't want to hear the message that actually gives them hope. Mm-hmm. So it's like that is the found with that's the foundation, right? So I guess that's where part of my frustration comes. It's like how how are you how are you guys getting so fired up when I get on here and and tell you what's your problem? Get out, run you know have some have some discipline and all this stuff you get fired up about that but i want you to get just as fired up if not more so about comprehending that message that gives you hope which is the good news of jesus christ so i guess that's where that frustration comes from sometimes for me that's fair you know but um i think well you know you you could you could speak to it better than i could but i feel like there is um Going back to the tent analogy, there's an illusion of uh, of some control in that tent, and whether you yeah. step out of the tent and it's and you're witnessing reality, in in its majesty and in you know a really good place, or whether you step out of the tent and conditions are terrible, you're at least then dealing in reality, and the tent is this illusion that gives you some uh, illusion of control, and I think people more easily gravitate toward those things that are you know, be hard when it gets hard. What's your problem? Do those, you know, they can, they feel like they can buckle down and kind of muster up their own strength and do these things, thereby um, perpetuating that illusion of control. When in reality, you know, we talked yesterday, you can implement um, every, every one of these life skills that are taught to you from you or others. And at the end of the day, it doesn't mean that bad things aren't coming. You know, you, you can't, um, you can't just check all the boxes and then necessarily create a reality to your suiting to you to that suits you to your liking. But at the end of the day, seeing reality for what it is versus not is a better option. It's just when you stare at reality in its harshness or, or even understanding that you don't have control. If you then don't know where to go to get hope or how to deal with that reality that you don't have control, that's a bad spot to be. That's it, man. Yep. All right, I, I want to real quick too, and then I'm gonna I want to pick your brain about what's on your mind, PN. Uh, I want to real quick characterize the spirit because somebody asked me this the other day. Oh no, I mean I've been asked this dozens of times. What is this 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 thing we talk about called the spirit? It is one of the three things uh, that three of seven project represents: the body, soul, and spirit, um, and you know, it, it is, uh, I think, hard for some to comprehend, and I have my my own, I guess, viewpoint on it. Uh, the spirit to me, and I'd be interested to hear y'all's perspective on it. If I can, this is this is kind of philosophical, all right. If I can think about what is the spirit. How do we characterize that? How do we describe it? For me, the spirit of man, 
the spirit, when I say man, I mean mankind, men and women. The spirit of humanity started with the first breath that God himself breathed into the body of Adam. That to me, to me in my mind, the, 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 the spirit is connected to the breath. That initial breath, God forms this human body, and then he goes down and breathes into it. And that is what gives that human body life. We are the only animal uh, species on earth that God breathed into, and that is where our life came from. The Spirit is, is the life that makes us human. Um, so that the interesting thing about it is, is that human life started with a that first breath from God that represents the spirit. That first breath has not ceased from the from from creation day, a creation of of humanity. If that breath had ceased it would it would basically signify signify the the extinction of humanity right so that first initial breath that is the spirit of mankind that brought us to life has been continued has continuously um been sustained even until now uh you know and that to me it, it even it ties to the breath in a way too because it's interesting to hear the uh, the account of when our grandfather died, our grandfather died in our in his home, surrounded by his family. He did not die in a hospital room somewhere, uh, which is courageous to me. He literally stayed in his home, um, and it, that takes courage. You know, it really yeah. does to not panic yeah. when you are dying. To not panic and call nine one one and have them haul you to a hospital where then you can die in a hospital room alone because no family members can visit. But the family was surrounding him and you and they're recounting the story of his death. And as that last breath leaves him, they will tell you they could see all in a way they describe it. They they could see the change in his face as the last breath leaves him and that is the spirit departing the tent and they said it was amazing you could just watch it go with the last breath and that to me was the spirit departing the tent that last final breath that's tied to the initial breath that god gave mankind in the very beginning that's philosophical what do you guys think about it (laughs) i think an interesting that I've heard before is that, you know, they call Jesus Yahweh, and even your breath, like just a natural breath, almost says Yahweh, you know, like breathing in, yaw and out, way. Hmm. And just the, uh, I mean, you could argue that, but to me it's, a, it's an interesting thought. Every, every breath you take, you're almost saying it. Yeah, I don't I, I would, I'd have to ponder that a bit. I think uh, if you think of, you know, body obviously as our physical um, being, soul as the thing that um, that's eternal, that's placed within us, and then I almost see there's a way that uh, that spirit connects those two things together, um, and, and maybe is the part of the, the thing that 
in part connects us with um, with other people in, in the way that as creator as creations of of God. I've always kind of viewed it as using the tent analogy. You know, the tent's your body, your spirit is what goes to heaven, like the spirit of God. And I've always viewed it as the soul, as like having two parts, like the devil and the angel on your shoulder, you know, that's kind of pulling you each way. And either you go follow your spirit, do what, or, you know, follow God, do what you should do, or you follow your flesh and execute it that way. But either way, the tent is like the operations in a business sense. Like it's carrying it out. It's going to carry out the good or the bad, but it's going to execute. Your body's going to execute and you're torn and you got to decide, well, you know, am I going to do this or am I going to do this? Yeah. Um, but that's always been how I've viewed it in a visual sense. The the soul to me is best categorized by the mind, will, and emotions. It is the is it's the mental part of us, right? It's it's the functions of the brain and how we feel about things and fight or flight or, and all of that stuff, right? It's it's uh, that's to me how I understand the soul. It's a, it's a very clear picture to me. Um, and then you know you talk about that we talked about the spirit departing the body. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, even what's brought up uh, uh, by uh, Tommy Painter the other day, there's a lot of controversy, not controversy, but there's a lot of different beliefs about what happens when you, when you depart the tent, right? And there's really parts of, of the Bible that can back up a, a couple different views. And, uh, you know, it's just like, okay, do you, do you, go, do you go to sleep until resurrection day when when jesus comes to establish his kingdom here on earth and mm-hmm. the dead in christ rise again and are clothed with a, another physical perfect physical body and or is when your spirit departs the tent are you then present with god in in some in some spiritual form not being clothed by a body and it's like i think we're thinking about what happens when we depart this place, I think we're looking at it through a freaking toilet paper tube mm-hmm. because what you can't even comprehend, none of us can comprehend, is that when you depart this place here, you are no longer, as a spirit, bound by time, space, or matter. So can you imagine being a life form that is not bound by time? If you can imagine that, if you can even think that maybe you can scratch the surface of imagining that when you are no longer bound by time, all of all of these theories can can happen at the same time, right? Yeah. You can see everything at that point from literally the beginning to the end if there even is such a thing when you're not bound by time so you can be anywhere you can be at the beginning you can be at the end you can be in the middle you can be everywhere at once there's no time you're not bound by it yeah i mean it's really really wild to think of that and i think that's why you know those those all those theories i think can are are all partly right because they can all be a reality when you're no longer bound by time space or matter i feel like god is so you know this uh, everything that was created is beyond 
our comprehension. We're never going to comprehend it all. Because if we could, why would we need God? If we could understand it all and, and everything, we could figure it all out. If our brains were as big as his, then we could do the same thing he could. So we're not going to figure it out, number one. And number two, I'm familiar with those things. And if you like to study it, I mean, that's good and well. But to me, it can almost be a distraction that you study that so much. What happens after? And it really, it, don't, it doesn't matter. No. All that matters is that we know how to live our life and fulfill our purpose on this earth. And you have to trust God enough that what's going to happen to you after this is going to be good and he's going to take care of you. And after that, yeah, I mean, read it. It's in the Bible. It's there for a reason. I think it's good to study. But don't get so sidetracked on that stuff as, you know, absent with the bodies, present with the Lord, but a thousand-year reign and God's going to raise them up from the grave. Which one, you know, they're both in the Bible. Maybe they're both true, maybe they're not, but it really don't matter. Yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, apart from a purely academic endeavor, <laughs> I just fall back on there's enough parts of the Bible that that um, are involved in me working out my salvation here on this side of eternity. I just don't have the uh, either the the mental bandwidth. I just just seems like I, I want to read it and know what it's what's there, mm-hmm. but I just don't have the the desire to get bogged down and trying to sort it out definitively because I got a lot on this side of eternity to sort out. Yeah. That's exactly what it do, bog you down. Yeah. You just yeah. you, you said it, nail on the head. Well, I don't have kids, so I can think about this kind of stuff. Yeah, while me and Nathan are, well, <laughs> while I'm changing diapers and washing poop out of somebody's butt, <laughs> and Nathan's handling his three kids, Chad's over there um, contemplating the difference. He could, I'll just let Chad figure it out for us. Yeah, I'll let you guys know as I figure this stuff out. <laughs> Literally, uh, two minutes before we started, Blake said, what do you want to talk about, Chad? He goes, oh, I don't know. And then how how far in the podcast are we? You're like, what do you guys think about spirit? No, listen, Chad knows. <laughs> I know. He likes to, yeah, he likes he to drop these doing. bombs. On, he likes to be prepared and drop these bombs on us on the spot. I'm the host, man. I have to be prepared. But, I mean, I feel like it's just wasted conversation if we – if we talk about it all beforehand, I mean, that's because you don't prepare. Well, look, <laughs> the the more the more unprepared you guys are yeah. on these podcasts, the smarter I look. <laughs> well, and honestly, the more real answer you get. Well, yeah, that's true. You know, you ask someone, you get in their raw thoughts. Yeah, yeah. What's on your mind, PN? I know you had some stuff you wanted to talk about on on today's episode. Yeah, I thought I intended to just come on and hijack it, but take over. No, I mean there were there's a there are a couple things that are centered around being present with others, and uh, and I've thought about it uh, off and on several times since you ran Georgia Jewel, which has been a few months now. Um, but as I reflected on the experience I had with you um, for a portion of that run, I just thought, oh, you know, this kind of creates a picture and provides a good template maybe to talk about and so that's what i that's what i wanted to talk about dude i I love that story man so we you know you you were running the the 100 mile lakes run the 50 you guys both were like hey come run with me for a little bit if you want and um it's just easier for me to run in the middle of the night when my family's asleep so (laughs) so even you know even the day of I said, I, I don't know if I'll be there or not, but I know where to show up um, to catch you. And so 
maybe I'll see you, maybe not. So I did. I think I left my house about midnight, drove out to Dry Creek and parked. And I didn't, I had no idea. Uh, I think I, I did get your bib number before going. So I could check in and at least find out where you, um, were you out on a loop or, you know, what. So I did that. But beyond that, I just parked where I could see runners coming in and out and just hung out till I, until I found you. And uh, so. Boy, it was nice to see you too. It, I think you had done a, uh, you had done two loops maybe. And I think I, I was there in time. I could have joined you on your second loop, but it took me, it took you coming in and out once for me to figure out who you were. Anyway, so I ran it behind you and we ran, um, we ran two loops together and, uh, so probably four, 13 or 14 miles. I don't remember what those were. So a little bit of time. They seem like they take forever, and, dude. Yeah. Well, by that point it was in the, it was in the wee hours of the morning. You'd been running a long time. Yeah. And we're 60, 60 plus miles deep into this race. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't know, you know, at that point, uh, we had worked four basic courses together we have a pretty good friendship, but I've not been with you in that setting. And I know as I run up to you and say, Hey, you know, Hey buddy, I'm here. Let's run. I know that the things that I'm curious about, I'm not going to, I'm going to not get straightforward answers. If I say, how's it going? How are you feeling? Because I'm, I know the way, at least I know you're how you're working um, mentally in the race, but I'm still curious. And so I think I just said, you know, Hey, I'm here. You let me know if you need something. And you said, really, just you being here. And you said it several times throughout the night. Like You being here means a lot to me. That's all I need. I appreciate it. Yep. Um, what? So I have a question to you. What was it about that presence, me being out there with you? Like, what did that do for you? Well, I, I tell you, it, 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 it boils down to it being you, who you are. Um, I, and it would have to be somebody like you or Blake or – so what you do a lot of times specifically for me, Nathan, is whether we're running a course or or whether we're out there running that race or whatever it is, you are a you're like a I could describe you as like a, a really a rock, man. So you give me confidence just by being there. Because what happens is is I know when you're there or when Blake's there, when you when you when you're there, man, it's like at that point I can take a wrap off and be like, all right, man, whatever happens, I know these guys are gonna handle it. Like I know, you know, you you have a real uh, it's 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 a it's a real gift that you have just your presence. So in other words, if it would have been somebody else that even I'm friends with, if they would have came and ran those loops with me, I still feel like I bear the full burden of what happens or mm. what I might encounter out there. But when you are there, like I said, in, in whatever arena, I can then confidently pass some of that burden off to you and know that it's going to be taken care of. So that's what I was feeling there. I was mm -hmm. like, "All right, man, this is Nathan is 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 a is a really a rock, and whatever happens out here, you know, he's going to carry some of whatever burden I put on him. He's going to carry it out and, and carry that burden as well as he possibly can." 
I think it boils down to trust, right? Like, you know that you trust that he's going to handle the situation, whatever it is, allows you to take energy off of worrying about the situation itself, and all you had to do was focus on running, not really, you know, not even so much where you're going. Yeah. If you had turned down the wrong trail, Nathan had said, hey, man, the flags are back here. You, all you got, that frees up a lot of energy. Yeah, it really does. It frees up a tremendous amount of energy. And then I, I think there's another small piece there um, that helps me tremendously, even especially out there that day. And it's a, it's a, it's not as large as the first part, but there is a, definitely a sense of accountability there that this is my partner, this is my teammate. We work together. Mm-hmm. We, we carry out uh, missions together. So now I have I I have to uphold the standard. Not that I'm going to slack on things, you know, foundational standards like integrity and not quitting and this and that. But um, when you're out there alone and you're that deep and it's middle of night, it's easy to maybe walk some miles that you yeah. should or could be running. Mm-hmm. It ups the uh, level. Yeah, level there, up of accountability. There's an accountability piece there. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think the uh, is interesting initially i was pretty aware of my of just my own thought process and so to hear you describe that it's uh, it's cool because that met a need that was different from one that was already being met so you had a crew you had a guy crewing you and he was dialed in on what to do when you came into to that rest stop as far as uh you know he would meet you 50 yards ahead of where he was had stuff set up and find out what your physical needs were yeah and, and was pretty efficient in meeting those. Hundred um, percent. And so to hear you talk about how pr- a person's presence met a different set of needs for you in a different way. So when we start running, I, you know, I just can kind of I have to take to the bank at that point. I just said, let me know how I can help you. If, if there's something that that's different from me just being here, you let me know. And I'm not one for. I, I don't have a lot of words. I couldn't. I couldn't chat you up for those two loops, nor did I, I didn't even know if you wanted me to, but all I could do, but in the back no. of my mind, you know, it's like, uh, oh, should I, is there something I should say that's that to encourage him? Is there, I felt like this isn't enough. And so I, it's interesting to hear, uh, what, how the need gets met, but then to realize when you're in the position and you have the opportunity to provide presence with someone, it's kind of a hard thing to do Yeah, because you're very aware of, I, I'm, I'm not doing very much. This isn't tangible. I'm not really offering verbal encouragement that I that I know is making a difference. I'm not meeting these felt needs. I'm not like I'm not doing anything. Um, and I, as I've reflected on it in the context outside of of running, I think one of the things that makes it difficult for us to share presence with other people is one, it, it does cost us something. In that case, it cost me some sleep and some time and yep. and some miles. But I think more than that, it's it's twofold. One is the the feeling that you're not really doing anything for that person. It just feel my offering presence doesn't feel to me or to the person like I'm really meeting a need, even though that nothing could be further from the truth. And you were very conscious of that. I know that was weighing on your mind because I can remember when your uh, your headlamp 
ran out of batteries or something. And I was like, dude, just just stop, change your batteries real quick. And you were like, no, no, I'm not slow. I'm not. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to come slow you down. Yeah, yeah, but but you were conscious yeah. of the fact you were like, I could tell you felt like maybe you weren't giving enough, and you for sure weren't going to detract from anything. Yeah. Where in reality you were giving way more than you could possibly detract from yeah. by stopping and replacing your headlamp batteries. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I definitely like in that in in my mind in that setting, um, you were the one involved in the in the the big season of difficulty, and I was there to help you. I wasn't gonna do, I was not gonna do anything that I saw as detrimental to that effort. But I think I think the other thing that makes it difficult to offer presence for people is um, is that it's hard to watch someone go through and suffer knowing that you can't really do anything to ease their suffering. Mm. I couldn't make the miles easier for you. You know, when your stomach started, um, started messing up on, on the second loop, like I couldn't resolve that for you. I could still be there. I, I started to say all I could do was be there for you. And, and my whole point in this is, is to not minimize what it is to be present with someone. Mm -hmm. um, but it's hard for us to, to go through seasons with people sometimes really long seasons where they need presence and we can offer it, but it just feels like a, either I'm not doing anything or B um, it's really hard for me to sit here and watch you struggle, not being able to do anything to resolve that struggle or make it easier, make it better. Um, but just to continually offer my presence. So that's kind of what was on my mind. And then I, I think as, as we shifted, you came back in for your last stop there and then you were going off and headed back out and I was going to head home and I was really not struggling, but really been thinking like, okay, as, as our time together ends, um, is there anything, what do I know about Chad? Now I've got some time with you in this experience, kind of in a new setting. Is there a way for me to communicate or to do something that helps him that maybe he doesn't even know that he needs. So kind of moving from this idea initially, just knowing you, uh, in that setting, first off, all, all I knew to do was say, Hey, if you need something, let me know. And it kind of plead ignorance to, I don't know how best to help you in this situation. And then fast forward, uh, a couple of loops later. And then I'm thinking, okay, well, I do know him a little better now in this setting. What can I do as we depart? Is there a need he has that maybe he hasn't even thought of and how can I meet that need? So trying to move from this idea of not let me know how I can help you. But here, I'm going to help you now because I've, I've spent time and I know you well enough that I'm going to do something for you. And the best I could do in that, in that place was we had been talking a lot that probably the, the weeks leading up to that about the idea of, of living to a standard in this, uh, the creed that we use on the basic course had really been resonating with people and we had been reflecting on that. And so, you know, I just thought, I think the best thing I can do is encourage you to to do the things that you're wired to do to, you know, essentially finish the race to a standard, not to be concerned with results, not to be overly concerned with what your stomach does or doesn't do to your ability to run, but just finish by holding the standard. And if you did that, you know, regardless of the result you got, you would, you would win. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, we never talked since then about, about whether that was encouraging or not, but I think it, at least as I reflected, I, thought that's what was happening was me trying to not be uh, content with just well if he needs something he'll let me know but 
to the extent that I know you in that setting, what can I offer um, proactively? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I think there's a picture of being present with people where we often say, uh, hey, just let me know if you need something. But how much better is it if we can take the time to get to know them in whatever season they're in to anticipate their needs and understand that sometimes they don't even know what they need, um, but that to then, uh, out of friendship, come to them and say, "Hey, I'm, I'm doing this for you. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, whatever it is. I'm. I don't want to. I don't want to give examples that pigeonhole into certain only certain circumstances, but proactively um, providing presence or providing help, even when the person in need doesn't is unaware um, of what they need or is in a position where they don't feel like they can say." Hey, I need the, you know, I need X, Y, or Z. Does that make sense? It makes yeah. total sense. And that became the foundational lesson of that whole event is, um, is that what Nathan just called out is living and performing a task to, to a standard and not a result. Mm-hmm. That became the foundational lesson that, that was born out of that, that race. So every race I usually run, there's one or two major things that we will learn during that time if it's a 100-plus mile race. Some of them, no, but most of them, yes, there's something that will be born of it. And that was the thing that was born of that race for sure. And I totally I totally get it, man, accepting the fact that when you show up to be present with someone in a time of need, accepting the fact that because you don't know how they're doing or how what they might be going through off the bat you have to be okay with that and say well i'm just going to show up anyways and as i learn more about this person going through this time of need then i will be in in a better position to be proactive about offering something to them that's going to help them through this time of need that's a that's a really cool progression almost you know yeah i I think I mean, even something I've learned over the past year or two is don't discount yourself and how powerful you are because a lot of times, like, you know, you thought, well, I'm just out here running. I ain't really doing nothing. But like Chad said, just showing up is is 90%. If the dude needs something, he's going to say, hey, Nathan, man, when we get back to the aid station, grab this for me. You ain't got to ask him. If they need something physically, most time people are going to ask. But just showing up, whether you feel like you're doing any good or not, there's just something about certain people's presence that is going to do much more than you could ever do physically. Or mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, I think I mentioned him the the first resurrected that I taught a guy named Kurt Thompson, and he talks about the idea of being known and being seen, and he says when a, when a person is seen empathetically by another person, you know, I, I see you in this place and now I can relate to you and it, it changes the brain chemistry of both people for the better uh, and so I think it's it often comes down to one realizing that you can that there's meaning and power behind it to being deliberate and empathetic enough to do it and then uh, and then just having the I guess the long suffering to you know to to do it for whatever the duration of, of that season is with someone. But in it, I think, sorry, um, when it's done well, everyone's encouraged. You know, I was, I was encouraged by my time with you in it. You were encouraged as well. And so 
I went through one of the lowest points on the whole on my whole race there together with you uh, on those loops, man. I did, I didn't know. <laughs> we were just running. <clears throat> Chad's quiet. He like ate an orange and kind of mumbled something, and he just goes, "Well." You just saw me come through a real dark place. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I got to feeling rough on one of those bad roughs. Well, you probably learned maybe after that, but by not saying anything and talking to him, he was doing much more than had you tried to actually encourage him with words because he would just gotten aggravated with you. Right. He was like, come on, Chad, you got this. He would have just been like, dude, come on, just you can break off at this next loop. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think, I know I can only speak for myself, but um, I have been fortunate enough to uh, have experiences that have forged a place inside of me that I can go to where I, I a lot of times I don't need or, or nor do I want and nor am I benefited by actual words of encouragement. Yeah. Now, others, it's different. And, and it may just be a personality difference. You know what I mean? But, um, I, I mean, I feel like Nathan would be the same way. Like, yeah. when we were going at CrossFit yesterday, you know, I, I, I wanted to, like, be like, you got this, Nathan, just to aggravate him. Because <laughs> yeah. I knew it would just oh, yeah. aggravate him. Well, know? we talked about that on the basic course. Yeah. I remember one day, you was like, you know, if you was in a rough spot, what would, what would encourage you, Blake? And I was like, man, you know, probably nothing. I'm either going to do it or I'm not. And you said the same thing. You was like... Yeah, it just really aggravates me if someone is trying to. Yeah, I mean, I, me. I like a uh, you know, you got it, keep going, or something low key. But some <laughs> some of what people respond to um, on the basic course in the proving ground. If you if you did that to me, I'd just look up at you and shut up, man. <laughs> but I do, I mean, I asked. I've that's become a question I ask people is how are you best encouraged uh, when it's hard because that that's a way of proactively trying to get to know them in a situation so that you can provide presence to them in a meaningful way uh, and not in a way that's, you know, at, at worst detrimental to their place. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, man, there's, there's so many places in life where this can apply, not just to uh, uh, being out there and supporting someone on a race. Um, you even think uh, the, the most recent thing in my, in my life where this lesson applied was losing my grandfather and so, you know, he passed away uh, late one night. And, you know, the next morning, uh, the family was all there. There was nothing I could do. Mm. Like, you know, yeah. I, 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 we, we even, you know, you even reach out to them and say, hey, if you, if you say, hey, do, is there anything I can do? Do I need to be there tomorrow? They're gonna say no. There's yeah. there's nothing you can do. Right. Like there's we're we're just we're just sitting around, you know, eating food and hanging out and trying to recover from this loss. But you know, you you go you go over there anyways, mm -hmm. even though knowing there is nothing that needs to be done or nothing that you think you can do tangibly. Yeah. But you just show up and and like Nathan just described, you start. You will find if if you switch to that then proactive mindset, you show up first uh, with no specific task. You will find things, gaps that need to be yeah. filled in ways you can help, and that's what happened with us. You know, when we go over there, and you know, you realize, well, you know, 
dad and nanny been up for 48 hours and they've got to they've got to now drive over to uh you know make away. make arrangements and and then you're like oh well I'm glad I'm here because they don't need to be driving. We can drive them, mm -hmm. you know, so you switch to that proactive and you can start plugging yourself in to situations um, as you see what they actually need that they don't even know they're going to need, just like yeah. Nathan said. I mean, so that is the way this lesson has applied to me just this week. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's worked and literally played out in the exact way that Nathan just described it. And I, I even learned something similar and and i would add to that to do it you know i'll say selflessly not that we went over there like you know you know hey I, i'm mourning too but but you know it was further down it, it was me and chad were sad but we knew that nanny his his wife was was going to be in much worse shape mm -hmm. and dad and kind of working down the line and and you know at the um uh, at the funeral home, they asked me and Chad to speak, and I mean, I I very rarely ever cry or show much sad emotion. Like I, I just don't. It's mm -hmm. not like you know. It's just not a big. I'm just not that way. But watching everybody there, they're playing the sad songs. They're playing pictures of us as kids with him. Everybody's crying, and it i had to fight it you know yeah but you know what crossed my mind was that i don't know exactly the word what's the words in the creed about um leading outside of your emotion or how's that quoted in there yeah it's um it's uh just essentially not allowing your emotions to lead you yeah and yeah. so that's that's what i thought i yeah. thought look i'm here they've asked me to do this this is my job. I'm the leader right here. You got to put these emotions aside and help your family mm -hmm. the best you can and put all of that aside. And so it goes just tying it back into to what the whole topic here is, is put your, you know, put yourself aside and see how you can best help them. That's exactly what, what yeah. you did on the race and what Chad's talking about. We did. We drove two hours out to their house. Me and Kat and my wife knew that they's probably going to be leaving in about an hour. We'd probably spend less time there than we did driving. driving. Yeah. But it's like, you know, hey, we're going to show up and do what we can. Yeah. Well, um, my wife, Tanya, describes it as like concentric circles almost. So at the center, when there's when there's crisis, you've got the people that are most intimately involved, and then you draw a circle outside of that, and you've got kind of the first line of, of help. And the, the people in that line – they could go to the next line if they need help, but they don't go to the, to the center. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. You don't go to your dad or your grandmother and say, hey, I'm, I'm really having a hard time. But but yeah. you might go to someone that's in the next circle out um, just as a real tangible kind of yeah. mindful way to show care for people that are in the middle of really hard stuff. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what, don't ever volunteer to be the keynote speaker at a, at a funeral. That was tough. Man – I, I got the short end of the stick on that. And, man, it was an honor to get up there and memorialize my pops. But they stuck the – I had to get up, man, right when everything was at its climax, climax of emotion. Yeah. I had to get up and, and talk. And, man, I even, I started the, the whole thing off with, man, this is a lot harder than I thought it was <laughs> yeah. going to be. It was. <laughs> that was a that was an experience, man. It's uh 
and and Blake and I are, uh, you know, we we we're still. I know Nathan, you lost your grandparents quite a while ago. This is kind of new for us and our family. We're just now getting into those. We're getting old enough now where we're starting to lose the the older generations. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, something new we're we're having to work through and learn. And you know, we we get we I, I went to no telling how many dozens of of funerals and memorials in the in the military and the teams you know but um those uh they were just different you know? right they were different but well y'all got anything else on your heart this was more of a full-length episode yeah than a comms check i knew when you started asking about spirit we weren't going to be at 20 minutes no i mean it's all good i may not even title this as a comms check anymore um, I just titled this uh, "Time with PN." Rambling. Any uh, any housekeeping stuff y'all got on the business end? No, we'll be uh, putting out some more basic course dates soon, so I'll be looking for those. Yeah, summer hit, dates. Yeah, we hit on the proven ground. Um, join us for Resurrected if you want to hear Chad's big announcement. Maybe. Well, and even if y'all don't know, we'd have, we have a like a, it's almost like a private social media group. It's on a platform called Patreon and it's where our, like our VIP number one supporters that enjoy the show, they can sign up to uh, give $25 a month. There's two other tiers of five and a $10 a month. The $25 a month is the one where we do resurrected for them and um, I post my daily training load. Uh, I do biweekly check-ins revolving around fitness. Um, yeah, Nathan will drop in, check in every now and then with video. Blake will too. So uh, it's just a fun place where we get to interact a little more intimately yep. with uh, you guys that do enjoy the show. And you guys make this show, you guys that support us on Patreon, make this show possible uh, in, in a big way. As a matter of fact, your contributions helped us build this studio. Um, it's helped us buy this equipment. Yep. Uh, I mean, everything that you see, uh, you guys on Patreon are helping carry that load. So we can't thank you guys enough. And there's a coupon code for the Proving Ground on there. If you're going to sign up. Oh, yeah. Dang, there sure is. I forgot about that. Um, all right. Last thing I got, uh, one of our sponsors... That sponsor today's episode is Wazoo Survival Gear. I don't know if you guys have heard about them. Uh, we all use Wazoo, some product from Wazoo, anytime we're out in the wilderness. I got their belt on today. Yeah, Blake's got his cash, cash belt. belt on. I think I have I have my cash cap on right now. Yeah. Um, we use uh, Nathan. Nathan misused a ceramic razor blade the other day so. prompted a, um, a psa by wazoo survival <laughs> i just felt good that i wasn't the only one that <clears throat> that did it but yeah when, when i texted him about it he had my number dialed he said did you use it this way and i said well yeah he goes well you should have inverted it yeah or closed it so, so what we're trying to tell you is we've put this stuff through the ringer we've used it the right way we've used it the wrong way we've put it through the ringer out in the field we believe in these products. We believe in the mission of Wazoo. Uh, we've had Dustin and Nick on the podcast, the owners of Wazoo Survival Gear. They've been on a previous episode. 
Uh, they just make really great wearable survival gear. So if you're into that stuff, if you want to be more prepared and more capable in any environment that you go into, whether it's an urban environment, a wilderness environment, or just driving back and forth to work every day, go check them out. I'll attach a special link to their website in the show notes of this episode. If you don't know how to scroll through the show notes, their their, their website is wazoosurvivalgear.com, but they've given us a special URL for our listeners that you guys can click on. Go on there. They've given us a pro code. It's just three, the number three of the number seven, all caps. That'll give you 20% off your order from Wazoo. So check them out. Go get you some. Hope you like their stuff as much as we do. Um, Get out there and use it. All right, guys. That's all I got. Yeah, that's all for me. That's it. June bug. Thank you, PN. Yep. Enough said. Thank <laughs> you.